I don't know about you, but I saw the trailer for Flash. We're worried, right? Yeah, I'm worried. Yeah, I'm definitely worried about the Flash. Every time I see a new trailer for the Flash, I get more worried. Yeah, I don't like this other Barry, right? It's his name. Yeah. I don't know too much about my buddy Mike, who I think we're gonna have on the podcast hopefully for the Flash. He, yeah, he's he watches everything. Particularly, he watches the Flash. That's like his favorite, and he agrees. Do you want me to spoil something for you? No, it hasn't been technically spoiled. It's, it's in the Flash. Confirmed. It's in the Flash. Oh, then I don't care. Okay. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning for something that is unconfirmed and possibly yeah. not a spoiler. You know that there's two Batmans in the movie. Yeah, Michael Keaton and, and uh, Ben Affleck. Affleck. Yeah. Allegedly, there's a third Batman in the movie. If George Clooney is in this movie as yeah. the third Batman, I will lose my mind. I want George. <laughs> I want him real bad. <laughs> I want the nipple bat suit. <laughs> That's what I want, Nick. Just give me some nipples on a bat suit and call it a day. Just give me an IMAX shot of George Clooney's ass right now. <laughs> Sound, speeding, camera, rolling. Scene six, take 303. Mark. Welcome to Take 303, powered by Fort Wayne Media, the podcast with one guy who knows a lot about movies and his friend. We're going to discuss film, television, and today we're discussing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Spoiler warnings ahead. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is written and directed by James Gunn. It is starring Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista, Karen Gillian, Palm Clemteef, Vin Diesel, Bradley Cooper, Will Poulter, Sean Gunn, Nathan Fillion, and Sylvester Stallone. Who's Nathan Fillion? Oh, that's the reason why I was cracking up during the movie. Uh, Nathan Fillion's the guy who kept apologizing and saying like, oh, I have one of those guys in my family. <laughs> oh, the, oh, I love him. Yeah. <laughs> He, uh, he's that, he, oh yeah, he's in so much stuff. He's in, uh, Firefly. He's in Firefly. And he is the guy who should have been in the Uncharted movie. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 picks up with the Guardians after Avengers Endgame. With the Guardians no longer having Gamora in the crew, she's from a different timeline with different memories, and we focus in on Rocket Raccoon where we learn his backstory. However, he gets badly injured. And the Guardians must find a way to save him. And in order to do that, they have to discover Rocket's past and find out where he was raised in a science facility. And that is the premise of the movie. Before we start on Volume 3, and just like how we did with John Wick, we're not discussing Volume 1 and 2. But just very quickly, how did you feel about Volume 1 and 2? I fell asleep during Volume 1 when I first watched it. I was with some college friends and we went to see it. And I was just tired. I think I was pulling an all-nighter, so I fell asleep. I watched it again eventually. I thought it was very good. Volume 2, I didn't like it as much, but I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. I just thought it was okay. Nothing special. Now, word on the street on the internet is that you're not polling very well on Reddit. Uh, no, I am <laughs> not uh, polling well on Reddit. Uh, people do not like my takes. So to just clue everybody in, JP's been like uh, ranting on Reddit, popping off with his, talking about his reviews, uh, particularly about Spirited Away and Demolition Man. Spirited Away is fine. Okay. A lot of people actually go, yeah, very underwhelming. And that's been more of a discussion and like people giving thoughts. I would not say the same about Demolition Man. <laughs> the Demolition Man posts are, are giving me life though. Posting a shout out to watch an old movie uh, Reddit. People on there hate my take on Demolition but Man. But what, what's great about it is that they don't defend it at all. They just say you are wrong and they are right. They don't like this one guy. Um, What's his name? Uh, I want to shout him out so bad. And I hope he <laughs> listens to this. But I, I called him out and he goes, I wrote this movie takes itself seriously. He goes, it doesn't. 
that's his whole argument. He quoted what I said and then said it doesn't. I gave a whole reason why. And then at the end, of course, a little sassy, I chirped him. I go, by the way, love all the detailed thought you gave for that. Really appreciate your opinion. You really can't argue with this man. And then and then he writes back, nothing about it. He goes, I guess, yeah, you're entitled to your opinion. Doesn't offend it. And then he writes, yeah, love your well thought out too. I think he thinks I was being serious. Dude, you wrote nothing. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's not bad. It's, it's good. It's almost self-aware that he doesn't know what being taken seriously means. <laughs> Anyways, Guardians 1, I really thoroughly enjoyed. It was such a surprise when it came out in theaters, um, especially since it's a D-list kind of like group in the Marvel Universe that no one really knew except for like hardcore fans who they were. Yeah. And the second one was very underwhelming for me. I didn't think it was a bad movie, but I just didn't think it was great. Especially after the first one being so good. Exactly. They were two very different directions. One was like, you know, this popcorn blockbuster. The second one, it really like went into the the nitty gritty emotions of Star-Lord and stuff like that. Where I feel like no one was expecting it. And I think that's why it got the reaction that it did. And I think that's the thing about the Guardians. They are a whole unit. You can focus on Star-Lord for a little bit. He could be the the starting off point to introduce all these characters fine. But if you do a movie just about him, the other ca- the cast has to shine. And 2 didn't let the cast shine enough. And that's a great point because I feel like 3 rectified yes. that problem while still doing the exact same thing. Volume 3, in essence, is an origin story for Rocket. At the same time, it still had time to breathe for everyone else, and everyone else still had their own smaller arcs that were still being well taken care of. And I told you, we went to go see it together, and as soon as the credits rolled, you were like, that was a long movie. And I was like, yeah, but like they really did like solid work. In Guardians 3, I felt like every single person was given enough time for their arcs, whether they were smaller or larger, but they all finished a really good arc. Yeah, they had a lot of things they had to close up, tie a bow around, and they did a really good job with that. I was very impressed with this movie. I think we've been disappointed in Marvel movies lately. Superhero movies, really. Yeah, superhero movies in general. So to see a superhero movie that did it well, and this seems like to coming back to form, hopefully Marvel can look back and be like, what did we do right with Guardians here that we haven't been doing lately? So I don't want to put him on a pedestal, but James Gunn is definitely the reason for why Guardians stands out the crazy like saturation of superhero movies that we're getting where we had Quantumania we had Shazam 2 we had Black Adam yeah yeah we've been on kind of like a down there's also all the Marvel TV shows they're kind of hit and miss best one so far that I've seen was probably Loki and for uh for me and definitely maybe people who don't what would I know James Gunn from because I don't um he wrote uh Scooby-Doo which one the live action movie okay I like that movie he wrote Dawn of the Dead, the remake. The 2005? Yeah. I love that movie. 2004, 2005, something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. He, re- he came back and did Scooby-Doo's Monsters Unleashed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. I, I'm afraid to admit, I like. I just like the Scooby-Doo live action. The but. first uh, film that he gets to direct uh, is Slither. He wrote the Belko Experiment. Didn't watch it. And then he had his Guardians, and he wrote and directed uh, The Suicide Squad. The second one. Which was better. Yes. Okay. That was the one with the giant starfish? Yes. Yeah. I didn't, oh, I didn't get to watch that one. Is it good? Yeah. Worth my time? Yeah. All right. I'll go watch it. Yeah. Not to be confused with Suicide Squad. Yeah. Not to be confused, right? Yeah. Nice job, DC. <laughs> good job, DC. All right. That's James Gunn. He's uh, pretty done a lot of stuff, seems like. Right out the gate, just going to say, yeah, back to form. Really happy that they made this movie. Really happy they went the direction they did it with. I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. As was everybody else in the theater, we were all laughing hysterically. I think it was just a really good popcorn movie. I don't really have any 
major critiques, but uh, what was your favorite scene in the movie? There are so many good ones. My favorite scene in the movie, I think think is when they're jumping off of the bad guy's ship and the other group is getting on and i think i just like the whole heartwarming moment with drax who by the way i think steals the show like oh yeah dave bautista steals every single scene that he's in except for the ones with nathan fillion yeah and then uh, you know what if it's not for that scene then i'm yeah with nathan fillion i think the two best moments is the hallway scene that fight sequence was awesome like ah yeah this is why i like oh, the, the Warner. Yeah. Yeah. Love the way it looked. And then probably the whole scene at the organic planet with Nathan Fillion. I was leaning towards that for my favorite scene. I just think the aesthetics look really good because there's one thing about the Guardians also. Yes, the writing is incredibly great. Yes, the soundtrack, so good. But the design, the look of it, Guardians is always just so colorful, even like the spacesuits. But the thing is, is that not only is it so colorful, but it works. It ties into the story. Uh, Drax is arguing like the red doesn't go good with his, yeah. with his skin tone. Like that's perfect. Like it just fits in. It, nothing feels like it's forced in there. That it's placed in there. It's always it always serves a purpose. Everything does serve a purpose. I think the cast is very strong as the most part. I like that Mantis is more involved. I love the relationship between her and Drax, which seemed to move. Like it it took a moment. It didn't just be like this funny banter. It actually had a moment that's uh, what i'm saying like none of it is the quippy marvel where it's there to make a joke it's a joke that's actually important for the story nothing feels forced not everything feels like that makes sense it's natural the storytelling feels very smooth the person that kind of surprised me the most i don't know if you felt the same was nebula i think she secretly is probably one of the best written characters in the marvel cinematic universe and it's such a crazy kind of uh roller coaster that they took us on because she went from like hardcore bad guy and then they broke her down into just like she wanted a sister and now she's like on the good side and now she will literally fight tooth and nail for family but she's still nebula she's still miserable about it she's negative she doesn't like certain things the joke about uh quill and her being together was really good because secretly you kind of want that to happen but you know yeah it's not Speaking of which, Gamora is back, but it's not the old Gamora. It's a new Gamora who has her own kind of thing going on because she hasn't experienced being with the Guardians and she hasn't, you know, Quill would have loved if he got like the original Gamora. He did not get that. And I was really impressed with the movie and how they handled that. She didn't do the Hollywood switch up. Yeah. She didn't change into the old Gamora. She kept staying on her path. Yeah, she's a different character. I'm glad they respected that. And that's part of the film. It's like, this film does a great job, and I think it's maybe a theme, kind of a hidden theme of you have your friends, people you know, but who are they really? Like, Drax shows a different side of himself. Mantis pushes a little bit. Like, I don't know if you know, like, they all do something that breaks their character form. Nebula becomes kinder and nicer, even protects Quill from Gamora hitting him. Gamora, clearly not the same Gamora. Drax showing he has intelligence mantis claiming you don't do mind stuff to your friends but then does something mind stuff on drax groot i think is probably the only one who remains pretty consistent uh, up until he says something oh yeah that isn't i am groot perfect thank you for fixing that one and then finally rocket obviously the backstory of him learning to accept himself and like being the leader like he doesn't want to be the leader because he's afraid of losing his friends like the first time he ever led something all his friends die and so i think given the cat being given the capital even though he acts like oh i want to run the ship secretly he's afraid to so they all subvert their expectations of who you think they are and they all grow from it 
And that's what this movie does well. It's really more about knowing who your friends are and who you think they are and them having to grow. And we all have to change a little bit because the world's not the same anymore. It's not like it used to be. Friendship is probably my most favorite, favorite, favorite topic to be explored in anything. Friendship is such a big deal to me and such a, I think, when a movie does it right, yeah, like when Nebula stops Gamora, like that's what family friendship is, yeah. So I read this review of mm-hmm. Guardians after we saw it, and it said that the movie 100% still works without Adam Warlock. Agree or disagree? Probably agree. Makes sense. Even if he's not there. Outside no, of... Uh, 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 outside of the beginning. Yeah. Outside yeah. of uh, injuring Rocket. That might be my only major critique of Guardians, where Adam Warlock was like built up to be the, like this big bad guy made by the Sovereign at the end of Guardians 2. Like Guardians 2, I told you, had like five different endings, and one of them was them creating Adam Warlock, and they were like, this is what's going to kill the Guardians of the Galaxy, and then he doesn't. And it ends up being this kind of joke where even the Sovereign in the movie are like, we we made him, and now he's like kind of like defunct. Yeah. He's a he's big comedic relief for the movie. I was surprised, too. But I'm glad, you know, that's we're the Miller's kid. And I'm glad they used him in his specialty, which is comedy. He's like, wait, we, we could be bad? We could be good? <laughs> yeah. um, he was kind of unnecessary, but kind of necessary at the same time. Talking about bad guys, the high priest. What I like about some villains is not it's not world ending, but it's enough to keep you invested. Like, it feels like every movie has to be end of the world, end of the world. How about just the guy who's just a jerk? And that's like, what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. And just unapologetically a dick. And obviously some ethical issues about creating things and destroying them. Yeah. Art, you know, it's a really funny argument of like, you know, as as crazy as it sounds, I'm sure there's some people like, well, he did make them. It makes him God in a way. Can he? Well, obviously not. But they humanized it yeah. to an extent. They were like, uh, he's unhappy with himself. So he wanted to create a perfect kind yeah. of uh, society. In older movies, when we were kids, a bad guy is a bad guy because he wants world domination. He wants to control people. He wants to blow yeah. stuff up, whatever it is. And now we have to give a reason. We have to give a backstory. We have to almost empathize, even with like the Joker movie. We always want to delve into what is their problem. Why are they doing the things that they do? Mm-hmm. And if you can somewhat make it seem like, okay, I get where they're coming from, but still. Yeah, from a logical standpoint. Yeah, like, from a logical standpoint, I get where you're coming from. But at, at a moral standpoint. Yeah. not okay i think my only nitpick if that's yours my only nitpick is i just kind of wanted to get to the end at some point and i i I don't some people like ah you should never comment that a movie is as long as it needs to be but i just genuinely like please let's just let's get to the end i just think i was so spoiled with evil dead rise being a nice hour 36 minutes and i think this is what superhero movies are doing speaking of one that i we watched that's going to be paired with this one or like do something or get to the end but overall, I think it's a great movie. I really think people should go see it. I love it. I have a funny take. Sure. And I don't know if it'll it'll stick with you. Okay. But I think it's just interesting to bring up and maybe I'll... So I thought I've seen this kind of movie before mm-hmm. where a character gets injured at the beginning of a movie and then they spend the rest of the movie kind of like on the in the hospital bed and then at the end, all the heroes get together and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I find that non-problematic. I've seen it in The Expendables. I've seen it in The Fast and the Furious. And then when I was looking at Guardians 3, I saw a bit of Turbo. Do you remember Turbo? The, that's the, my favorite yeah. Power Rangers awful movie of all time. There's only two. There's only three Power Rangers movies. That's your favorite one. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's a different story. So Turbo, if you remember vividly. Oh, I do. Uh, I've watched that movie one many of, times. One of the Rangers gets injured. Correct. 
and uh spends their time in the oh, yeah. you know the operation room and then a new ranger has to join uh and be trained and then they go off on their adventure and while they're they're also rescuing other rangers it just felt like similar vibes i'm not saying it ripped off the story there's definitely right, right. very different is gamora the new guardian in a way like the new ranger yeah interesting I like this. Or Nebula, I guess you could say. Because she's not a Guardian. There's a, too, yeah, yeah, there's a lot less Power Rangers than there were Guardians. So it's kind of hard to say who was who. It's so interesting you say that. Because I think that's a big trope you have to kind of do with cast movies. I even think Ocean's 13, the premise is one of their buddies gets hurt. And he's in the hospital. And so they go take revenge. If you took Guardians 1 and swapped them out for Power Rangers, obviously they're not teenagers with attitude. That is the comedy, the campy tone, that is the action that we should have gotten in the 2017 Power Rangers movie that we didn't. We got that gritty one mm. that only had like maybe two action scenes and they were like super cgi like i felt like if if there's anyone that can make a good power rangers movie it would be james gunn also in terms of ranking where would you rank uh guardians amongst the trilogy volume three one three two that's the numbers one three two okay i had the exact same rating i think most people are gonna go one three two i could see three one two all right overall rating for guardians volume three that's uh, a four for me solid movie doesn't do uh yeah, a couple problems with the movie. I think also the soundtrack is great. The creeps in the beginning that, I mean, Chris and I were singing along. It's hard not to. I'm a creep. Anyway, but overall, yeah, it's a four for me. I'm going to have to match you. I'm also going to say four. Very minimal problems, things that we can overlook. But one is just a perfect film. So comparing it amongst them, I'd give it a four. You know, we're almost hitting the halfway mark of the year. Mm -hmm. Is Guardians your top movie of the year right now? No. What is still? The Covenant, but that's for next week. Okay. So John Wick dropped out of one. Yes. Then I can't wait. I still haven't seen The Covenant yet. You need to watch The Covenant. I I am going to watch The Covenant. The Covenant has the first half of the movie is perfect. And you will find out the rest in the next episode. And the next episode, so take a follow, take a listen. So this is a good time for a commercial break. It uh, wasn't always school that was the problem. It was the ladies. I never knew what to say, what to do, how would I invite them over? And then I started using Chad GPT. I asked Chad a question and he'd give me a Chad response. Hey Chad, what should I do to attract women? Work out, lift hard, lift every day. If you're not at the gym, you're not working. And then I asked Chad GPT things like, hey Chad, what are some great pickup lines? Going up to a girl, taking off my shirt, and taking her home. I even got Chad GPT to write some heartfelt letters and love notes. I saw you on the beach, and uh, you were next to some other really hot chick. Might have been your friend. Want to go out? Letters like that, advice from ChatGPT, has changed my life for the better. For the low price of $69.99 a year annually, ChatGPT will transform your dating experience to the next level. Yeah, when you're done talking to this nerd, you can, uh, you can definitely come talk to me. I even got a boost in my work life. I used to struggle with asking for raises and... Yo, Dad, I'm taking off for the weekend. No! No, I am not mowing the lawn before I leave. I'm going out with the boys. My dad's a lawyer. You're my dad! Stop living your life like a beta. Become an alpha. Change your life with... Chad GPT. And we're back. We also have a Patreon, so please follow us at patreon.com slash take303. We'll be featuring unedited episodes. We also have the original pilot episode, so that's exclusive to Patreon. And we'll be putting up bonus content there. Uh, Something Ed Sheeran related will be coming up soon. And we're going to be doing giveaways and a whole bunch of things. So if you're one of the first people to sign up for our Patreon and become a Patreon member, uh, you you could be lucky you'll be getting some special gifts that we'll be giving out to our first 50 or 100. We haven't decided yet, but the more that comes, 
come, the more maybe hopefully we can give out. And we'll be dropping merch soon, so listen in here for that. So this week we paired uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 with one of JP's, I thought it was one of your favorites, uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It was when I was a kid, and I haven't watched it since high school. I probably haven't watched this movie in close to 15 years, so it was a rough watch, I'll say that. Brutal. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is directed by Stephen Norrington, starring Sean Connery in his last film appearance. Richard Roxburgh, Shane West, Stuart Townsend, Peter Wilson, Tony Curran, Jason Fleming, Nasir Rudinshaw. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen takes place in 1899 as... The world is on the brink of war as new technology is being made. An automatic rifle is introduced into the mix. So Britain gathers a league of extraordinary gentlemen, extraordinary people with certain skills and abilities to go stop a person known as the Phantom who is terrorizing and causing problems all around the world. This team gathers together to go stop him. And I'm going to be honest, I couldn't tell you more because there is no plot. (laughs) It's really just like exactly what we said, that the villain is just the villain for the villain's sake. Also, I don't know if you noticed this, but the end credits infuriated me because I was looking at the cast and I was trying to figure out like, oh, who still like, you know, kind of made it. Not too many names. No. What infuriated me is the Phantom. Phantom is not spelled with a P-H. It's with an F? It's with an F. But that might be how it is in the comics. It could be, but also why? <laughs> why would you just spell it the normal way? I don't, I don't know, Nicholas. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't make it cooler. <laughs> it looks like a Fanta drink. We have to get a, a Fanta sim- sponsor. Yeah, our sponsors are very good. It would be much better than the water that we're sipping right now. Yeah, because obviously we get a lot of very different sponsors, probably like ads people haven't heard of. I'd love to get the off Fanta sponsor. Maybe get that for an ad one day. Anyway... So this movie is awful, right? I Nostalgia glasses all the way through. Because I remember this movie being fantastic as a kid. What's funny is I told my dad that we were going to do this for the podcast. And he was like, oh, that's a great movie. And I was like, <laughs> what? What are you smoking out there? Maybe Bob hasn't seen it in a while either. No, he actually just watched it probably about two months ago. I was falling asleep during the movie. I was watching it late at night. I was knocking out. I was missing scenes. And guess what? I missed a bunch of scenes and I still knew what was going on. <laughs> And not because... I'm... Did Krista watch it? Yeah, she did. What did she think? She thought it was dog. <laughs> There's a scene where Sean Connery is shooting a guy that he can't see. It's the scene where he's hunting Dr. Jekyll. Yeah. He, like, sniffs, and he's, like, he's scared. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? You smell fear? I whispered to her, did you know dog than be smell fear? <laughs> For those who haven't watched the film, just to give you an idea, you have Sean Connery playing, what's the name? McQuaid? Alan Quartermain. Quartermain. So and he's awful. an expert hunter. And by the way, all these characters are from famous They're all novels. literary characters. Literary yeah. characters, yeah. I don't know where Alan Quartermain is from, but... Probably some British book that we don't know because we don't read. Yeah. The extraordinary part about him is that a witch doctor blessed him and he is invulnerable in Africa. So his weakness is if he leaves Africa? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What if we have a guy who can't die here, but he can die over there? Let's put him over there and put him on a mission. That's not bad. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Wait, he's a continent-based Superman. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, hold on. What if they took a... What if they cut out concrete from New York City, brought it to Africa, had him stand... Is it like kryptonite at that point? Can I kill him? Hold on, this concrete. Hold on. Give me a second. This is New York asphalt. Oh, dead. 
that's the leader of the team. So then also on the team is Dorian Gray. He can live forever. He has a photo of him. Of, of, a portrait. A, a portrait of him. Instead of him aging, the portrait ages. And if he looks at the portrait, he dies. Also on the team is Tom Sawyer. Yeah, and I never connected that with, oh, that's Tom Sawyer. I just thought he was a guy. Which, again, he technically is a guy. A guy yeah. He's not technically part of the team. He kind of yeah. just, he's like, can I join? Also on the team is Dr. Jekyll. And Mr. Hyde. Two people for one person. Dr. Jekyll is a scientist. He takes a serum that he takes, and it transforms him into this monstrous uh, Mr. Hyde. In literary uh, lore, he was more of kind of like a vampirish kind of like character. Over time, he became more of a, a Hulk kind yeah. of I mean. Character. the Hulk ripped it off yeah yeah basically if you also think of the time for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen it came out in 2003 2004 was Van Helsing 2002 was Sam Raimi's Spider-Man okay but uh, I'm just saying superhero movies have just started all right but I was going more for the beginning of Van Helsing has Dr. Jekyll oh okay <laughs> trapped in there who also resembles I thought we were talking like Hulk. superhero movies started I'm like yeah <laughs> I, I just thought we were talking about years and, and movies <laughs> <laughs> 2005 go <laughs> You know, 2004, uh, uh, the Fantastic Four came out, you know? <laughs> oh, the Fantastic Four. <laughs> That's what we started with, with the league. <laughs> also on the team, I don't know her name, but the vampire. Yeah, because who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it's Mina. It's Mina Harker. And then finally, the best league of extraordinary guy who's not there for half of the film, Skinner, a.k.a. the Invisible Man. And he's exactly what I imagine if you become invisible, what you should act like. A real piece of shit. <laughs> There's one scene. I hope it's not one that you fell asleep during. Sean Connery is writing to himself and the invisible man is in his room and he just the the lights go out and he's like uh I don't want you in my room. I want you uh clothed at all times and he tosses him out of the room. Yeah. I don't understand the purpose of that scene. Why is he just sitting in the just just lurking in the room? Um so I think that whole boat scene just needs to be removed. Everything that happens on the boat just needs to get removed from the story. All right, it just came off very, like, I guess, pervy in a sense. Yeah. And then also you have to... It, it reminds you that the... the yeah, keep writing, John. <laughs> it reminds you that the Invisible Man is naked the entire time. Yeah. And I, I love how they, they're very uh, self-aware of it. Nothing happens in this movie. Can we just agree that nothing happens? The bad guy, his plot is literally to start like World War One. He also wants to start an arms race to profit off of that. That's okay. Yeah. Except for the way he goes about that. It's pretty bad. <laughs> One, assembling the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen himself. Two, trying to steal their powers. Why not just sell guns? Yeah. <laughs> just in your you, you didn't need that. Yeah. If you if you did your own thing and didn't involve the league, the league wouldn't have known. They would not have yeah. fought it. They were just seven guys and one guy in Africa who can't leave Africa because he'll die. A real brain twister. <laughs> Which leads us to the scene where all the league is assembled. They're all surrounded by the Phantom's army. All aimed at them. 20 guys. 30 guys. Could be even more. And the Phantom's standing right there. Why are we James Bonding this? And just letting them talk. Tom Sawyer takes one shot at one guy. Everybody else panics and drops their gun. <laughs> oh, no! Somebody has a gun! <laughs> Not like we all do. Sean Connery runs across the other side of the room with all the guns pointing at him. And then he kicks a ladder and it goes, Wee! <laughs> and the ladder fights all the guns. The ladder. Sean Connery and Mina Harker for the first 30 minutes of this movie just repeat what's happening. Oh, body armor. When I watched the bullet bounce off, I figured it out, Sean. <laughs> Thanks. Um, he goes, next stop, Paris. And then the next scene 
it goes to Paris for Dr. Jekyll, and it, the subtitle says Paris. Paris. <laughs> Why do I need both of these? Yeah. Then the guy clearly puts something in his mouth and then dies. I was thinking candy, and thank God, Sean. Oh, the damn poison. <laughs> like, thank you. Like, no shit, Sean. I feel like that wasn't part of the script, and Sean was just like analyzing it while it happened. Maybe he was surprised. <laughs> And then they just kept the roll, and the director was just like, "Damn it, Sean, you ruined another take." But you know what? We don't have any more time. We got to keep it. We got to keep going. So I, I love Sean Connery more as a personality, probably mm-hmm. less so as an actor. He is hysterical in this movie. So many cuts. Have you ever seen Taken Three? Yes. Remember when Liam Neeson hops the fence? Oh yeah, and it's like <laughs> 10 twenty different, different yeah, angles. 10, 20 different angles. That is Sean Connery in every action scene in this movie. You know what would have been cool? Sean Connery in Taken. <laughs> Oh, that would be great if Trebek was leading the Albanians. <laughs> Hello? I'm very, very sad of special skills. I don't know who you are or where you're from, but if you don't give me my daughter, you're dead. What is good luck? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Trebek! <laughs> By the way, if you haven't seen the SNL skits of Alex Trebek... Oh, Celebrity Jeopardy? Celebrity Jeopardy. I don't know what you're doing. Anyway. So this movie's bad? CGI. Bad. It does not hold up. Why is it everything that Nemo owns three inches wide? <laughs> Sword, ship, car, three inches. We forgot about Nemo. We didn't oh, remember. Him. He's useless. He has no powers. He has a car and a ship. No, he does he have one power. With swords. He fights with swords and fists. Everybody else has automatic guns. Everybody fights never has a gun. So definitely the guy you want on the, on your team. He does spit on the floor really well. Like he puts his hand on the floor and he does a three sixty <laughs> spin. I love him. Uh, oh man, sorry about Captain Nemo. I also liked how the Phantom flo- flew as Batman with his jacket. <laughs> yeah, which is just a fur jacket. Um, so I'm but not sure. Made why from that. a bird, Nick. <laughs> Gosh. Also, do you know how in the beginning of this movie? Here's my big. It is ten minutes of reading. Nobody speaks. It is just some. It's just newspaper headlines. Like I would have been if you are a newspaper and you want to like make some money, ask to be cut into this movie. So does it seem? Where uh, Sean Connery uh, splits up from the group and he's chasing after the Phantom. And they end up in this graveyard. The tiny-ass graveyard. The Phantom is, like, taunting Sean Connery as he's going around the graves and everything and they can't see each other. Mm -hmm. He is definitely not whispering. (laughs) He's yelling, yeah. He is just talking at his normal tone of voice. Which I feel like, we're not blind, but we can follow the sound of a voice very easily (laughs) in a small graveyard. The Phantom was just... There's clear shots of him just scurrying between the graves. And they use just live audio from that. All you hear is the pitter-patter of his, of his boots. Yeah. And he's just, like, sneaking through the graveyard. It wasn't like Batman movies where he just, like, disappears and then reappears somewhere else. You literally see this man, like, scary movie, like, pitter-patter, yeah. like, walk from grave to grave saying, You'll never get me. At the end, Dorian Gray's fighting a guy. And he comes up. And like, like, just pulls down his shirt. Now his chest is revealed, <laughs> and that it shows you Dorian. It reveals Dorian Gray's powers. Which, by the way, they do actually one thing about this movie that they do well. They subtly reveal everybody pretty well. And Krista points this out in the very next scene when they're all talking again. She's like, "Why is his shirt back?" <laughs> and I'm like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, some guy just ripped it off. I just saw his whole chest bullet heal. Does it? Does he have a sewing kit? What's the?" I was like, "Great commentary. New favorite scene of the movie." Um, you know what that reminded me of? Uh, you ever see that movie Cry Baby? Yes, I think I have. With Johnny Depp. Yes. Where he was on the date with the girl. Uh, he hates thunder. 
Yes. That's yes, what it was. Yes, yes, yes. He's the his character hates thunder. He's scared of lightning and thunder and stuff like that. And then he just rips his shirt open and he has a thunderbolt tattoo. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Forgot about that. That's what it reminded me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Hundred percent. And I think to wrap up because we could spend here all day talking about what's wrong with this movie. But like genuinely, just if I could just really quickly sum up, nothing. Nothing happens. It just feels like any of these scenes. Like you could start this movie at any point thirty minutes into it, and it would still make sense to you. They could have just let everybody because there's a problem. There's this guy, the Phantom, and then you just cut to the Phantom doing his Phantom. Thing. I remember my brother loved this movie, and he's the one who's like, Joe, you need to watch. It's really good. And we didn't really have superhero movies at the time, so to see like the Invisible Man and things like I've heard of from books, like oh wow, this is cool that they're all in here. And I was just blown away by yeah, they have a vampire lady. Very much just a product of its time. Do you know, like, what's crazy is that the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is a DC product, yes? Mm. And look what comes out right before that. You just said X-Men and Spider-Man, which are, well, Sony, but Marvel, and then, but X-Men was owned by Fox at the time. Regardless, no. these are Marvel products that are doing better. And I'm sure if you listen to a lot of things we just said, think about the current DC movies and what the problems are. You said, like, oh, if you take out this scene, this scene, this scene, you don't need it. The whole idea is that if you take out a scene... The movie shouldn't make sense if it's a good movie. This movie is so convoluted. And if you're listening to this and you're somehow like, man, I don't remember the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen being that bad. I go, you need to go watch this again. Or if you've never experienced it, you should yeah. sit down with a buddy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't recommend it. So Crack I don't open think, a cold one. Yeah, I don't recommend it. So I don't think it's worth your time at all. But if you want to get what we're if you, it's worth your time if you want to see how a really bad movie is made. You know what's funny? I, uh, I almost watched it on FX the other night. I yeah. had an old dvd of it the fx version is 90 minutes long it is a two-hour movie oh fx knows what it's doing it does because they must have cut out a lot of the stupid boat stuff i'm gonna have to get 0.1 but technically on our scale it's a one it's just bad don't watch it don't watch it i'm gonna give it also a one i'm gonna match it for both of these uh, reviews because i think we're very much on the same page with these two um bad screenwriting bad direction bad cgi definitely a lot of work that could have been done but i also feel at the end of the day there is a good movie somewhere in there. Yes. If there was any movie to remake, I think this would be a good one to tackle very quickly. Like, who would we cast in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen if it came out today? If it came out today? Okay, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I think I, Liam, uh, it has to be Liam Neeson at this point. <laughs> Liam Neeson is who? Uh, Alan Quartermain. Fine. I'm fine with that. I want um, Matthew McConaughey as the Invisible Man. <laughs> <laughs> I want him so bad. He just walks out of every room like, all right, all right, all, all right. right, all right. Uh, you know who I think would be a great uh, Tom Sawyer? Not just Tom Holland. I think he would be great. Uh, who's the guy from The Kingsman, the young kid? Uh, Taron Egerton. Taron Egerton. I like him a lot. I'd like to see him do an American. Tom Sawyer? Yeah. Well, you know who should play Dorian Gray? Ryan Gosling. I kind of want like a Tom Hiddleston. Oh, I had him for, yes, one of the characters as well. Tom Hiddleston. He would be good. Because you know who would have been a, a great pick, but it, it would have to be him in his prime. Who? Alan Rickman. Oh, yeah. Who would play the vampire? You know who I'm getting vibes from that I think would do good? It, it would fit her genre, Mila Djokovic. Anya Taylor-Joy, but a younger version? Who's playing uh, Nemo? How about the dude from RRR? Jekyll and Hyde. Remember In Time, Justin Timberlake? Oh, Killian Murphy. Cillian Murphy, yeah. Yeah. Killian, 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 who knows? Yeah. Killian, yeah. All right, so another good Dr. Jekyll, uh, Justin Long. Ooh, Justin Long. There's a name you don't hear too much anymore. Yeah, I know. And I feel like it would be a surprise kind of twist to see him do something a little bit more serious. You know who I would love to see do M? Steve Carell. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would be perfect. 
I'm gonna go a little bit out of uh, his his usual. I can say Bradley Cooper. Ooh, I could see Cooper or even a Clooney. I, I uh, a Cooper. Not, Clooney wouldn't do it, but I feel like Bradley would would step up. He would be like um, Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder. Yeah, I feel like it would be a random thing that he just does. Because as far as I know, Bradley Cooper outside of Wedding Crasher hasn't played a bad guy. Mm. Yeah, no. So I think it would be interesting to see him do that. Yeah. It's more fun for an actor to play a villain. Mm-hmm. To go branch off. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, that's uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. This has been an episode of Take 303, powered by Fort Wayne Media. With every episode, we're going to be asking a question and leaving a poll. This week's poll question is, what is your favorite Guardians of the Galaxy volume? Then our question for you for the week is, who is your favorite Guardian of the Galaxy character and why? Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Fort Wayne Media. Leave a comment on there. Tell us what you thought of the episode, whether you agree or disagree with anything that we said. And tell a friend about the podcast. The word of mouth is the best way. We drop our episodes every Wednesday, so make sure to catch us for the next one.